Eric Zorn, longtime uh, columnist at the Chicago Tribune. And you can get his Picayune Sentinel for free if you just email ericzorn at gmail.com, or you can pay a small price and get the premium service. He's part of our Mincing Rascals weekly podcast at wgnradio.com and wherever you get your pods. Hi, Eric Zorn. Hey, John. Thanks for that lovely introduction. <laughs> and thanks for mentioning uh, this show once in a while. You noted, for instance, that in our jokes brackets, one of them was something we picked up from you, right? No, well, no, I I stole this from you from your oh. uh, uh, from speed jokes. Uh, the, it was the winning tweet. I have a, every week. I have a contest of the best jokes I find online. Usually, they're from Twitter or what some people call X now. Um, and uh, I I. I sort of call them from wherever I can, and I grabbed this one from the article that you wrote in the Tribune that listed your favorite jokes of the year, and it won the week. Can I read it? <laughs> yeah, go ahead. It's The doctor says, don't worry, Michael, everything's going to be okay. The patient says, I'm not Michael. The doctor says, I know, I am. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was a. I thought that was great, and um, my readers agreed. So. Yeah. Oh, and they agreed. They thought it was pretty good. Well, let me do this. Yeah. So we took this uh, that article in the Tribune, which was published. Uh, was it the end of the year or the start of the new year? I have um, a link to it. I have to link to it at my site. I'll tell you when it was published. December twenty sixth. Okay, and it was reminding the listeners to, you know, laugh and smile when you can. And it mentioned that we were going to do a uh, best of 2023 speed jokes tournament, a 16 joke bracket. We're in the second round. We're at the, the elite eight. Uh, Eric, here are the two that are squaring off right now. Tell me which of these you think is better. Hey, the inventor of throat lozenges has died. Not surprisingly, there was no coffin at his funeral. Okay, that one today, which won in the first round in his advanced, is squaring off against this one. I just went on the Weight Watchers website and it asked if I accept cookies. Is that a trick question? Go to WGNRadio.com right now and click on the joke you like the best. Which will you click on, Eric? I got to I gotta like the Weight Watchers one, John. Yeah, I, I think yeah. the, coffin, the coffin one, I mean, I do admire a good pun from time to time, but uh, I, I think the Weight Watchers one is, is funnier. WGNRadio.com. Sidewalk shoveling as a city service is a fine idea you wrote but not yet fully baked. I think the city should be shoveling sidewalks as much as they can, wherever they can. What's your take on this? Well, I, I, I love the idea as a, uh, as a lazy homeowner who looks outside during the snowstorm and says, like, oh, man, i got to put on my boots and get out there and, and shovel. Uh, on the other hand, I have a lot of questions about how this is supposed to work. Um, you know, when the, when the snow falls, you know, it's, it's hard to move around, and you've got to get all these workers mobilized, you've got to get all the equipment, the little snow plows. Uh, I assume they would use either a uh, little, like, um, uh, what do they call it, little, the little snow plows, or they would use snow blowers. But where would all these workers come from? Would they be full-time employees? Would they just be people they would call on? Uh, and the other thing that I was curious about was how many miles of sidewalk there are <laughs> in, in the city. Yeah. And, and, you know, there are about 4,000 miles of streets. Uh, and according to the city, there are 7,400 miles of sidewalks. So you can feel Makes like, sense. you know, mo- lo- most streets have it on both sides. Yeah. You've got 74. And that's the distance between Chicago and New Delhi. 
That is an incredible distance. <laughs> and so how how many man hours, woman hours, worker hours is it going to take this to to, uh, to plow those off? Yeah. And then what's it, what's it all going to cost? Are, are these people going to be eligible for pensions? Is this, you know, I, I, are these going to be union jobs? And uh, Eric, I, you're making this way too complicated. I mean, obviously, the this would be a service that would be needed 10 times a year. And I think you could just say, look, to each alderman in this city, um, get your act together. Here's a stipend. You can do it volunteers. You can buy little lawnmower tractors with the plow in front or buy more snowblowers, set up committees. You can have volunteers agree to use the tools when it happens. Uh, you'll have to buy some workman's comp in case somebody slips and falls. But I, I, I don't know. On the, this on the ice this is a rudimentary thing. No, I you know I, I had this idea too that maybe the best thing to do would be to designate one person on every block and give yeah. them a snowblower. Say, look, here's yeah. a here's a here's a five hundred dollars snowblower, first class. After a snowstorm, just get out and walk around the block. You know, push this thing around the block one time. Yeah, and uh, and, you, and you get a free snowblower in exchange. I would do that too. Uh, I just don't know that the city is kind of set up to do something like that. I, I mean, I I really believe that. After a snow, after a serious snowstorm, when you and, and and the reason this is important, of course, is that there are people with disabilities who just can't get around, who are who are stuck in their homes, can't get out to see the doctor, can't get out to buy food or anything like that. So it is a serious mobility issue, which is why I think it's a good idea. Uh, and I'm skeptical because I don't know what it costs. Evidently, there are some big cities that do this. Um, but I've, I looked around. I was unable to find out what they're paying to do it. And I, I did see that, like, Toronto will do it, but only after it snows. It's, the snow is four inches deep or so, something like that. It's, uh, you know, they, they don't do it in every little dusting of snow, but they wait till a serious snowfall. But, again, when you've got a serious snowfall, how are you going to get the workers there? What's going to happen? Which politician is going to wear the jacket when three, four days later the snow has not been cleared? And uh, and homeowners who are now used to being lazy about after snowstorms are going to just complain about this. And I, I mean, I just I see no end of trouble with it. But again, I, I like the idea and I think it's it's the right thing to do. But gosh, what's it going to cost? What the only cost estimate that I saw was um, I think it was uh, was it was it Alderman Viegas um, was was uh, guessing that it was going to. I'm sorry, Alderman Beale. He said he thought it would be uh, it cost a few hundred million dollars a year to do it. <laughs> well, it wouldn't. I mean, it wouldn't. That's silly. I mean, why didn't you just throw a trillion out there? That's a big number. That'll scare off the I, enemy. Well, think of all the people. I mean, when you've got seventy four hundred miles of you sidewalk, you don't have to plow them all. I mean, the neighborhoods. Wow. Let's... You don't. <laughs> No, no, you don't. Some sidewalks get used more than others. There are places in the city where you look and you'll see a long stretch of sidewalk between one building, a residential area, and another. I'm not imagining that every square inch of every sidewalk would get shoveled or plowed, but it seems to me like it would be pretty easy to designate the high-density areas where it would be most useful. Start there. Uh, if, well, they're gonna, put it this they way, are, Eric. The pilot, yeah, they're going to do a pilot program. You know that, right? There is a pilot program. Um, there will be one. It's not going yet, but it will be next next winter. Yeah, I'm reading your piece here, and it says that uh, there's a 49 to 1 vote and that they're going to implement a program next winter. But if, say, you got 50 percent of the sidewalks shoveled or plowed, that would be better than zero percent of them shoveled or plowed. Would you agree with me on that? Oh, 
I totally agree with you on that. I mean, it's, I think it's a wonderful notion to have the sidewalks cleared. And, and I, apparently they do it in some suburbs. I hear that they do it in Park Forest, and I hear they do it in Winnetka. I called Winnetka yesterday, and they didn't have any information for me about what it costs or how many miles of sidewalk they have in Winnetka. I imagine it's not that many. Well, I, I would a, imagine Winnetka can afford anything Winnetka wants. I want to ask you about something else, and that is the rat hole, the naming of it, the filling in of it, and the um, tourist trap that it's become. You're well aware of what I'm talking about. What's your overall thought about this phenomenon? I, I love it. This is so Chicago, right? We, we had the uh, Our Lady of the Underpass, that was about 20 years ago, where they, they find, people, people find a little, a little marking somewhere on the wall along the pavement, yeah. and they decide that it, it means something. And uh, I, I think this has been hilarious and interesting. I guess the people in the neighborhood are, are over on uh, the 1900 block of West Roscoe. I guess they're getting a little tired of all the people coming by. And the, there was a wedding there the other day and a proposal and um, and then people were trying to fill it in, right, with, with some sort of something to, to smooth it over so it wouldn't be there. And then other people came and dug that out. And I guess the alderman over there is now upset about it and wants to just replace the pavement there. So, uh, but, but I, I think this is a great thing. What, it, it'll die down, right? This is one of these things that will happen for a week or two, and then people, some people will continue to drop by there. But what's the harm? I think it's a great thing. What do you think? Uh, I think you don't live there. This is a, a post. <laughs> uh, here's a post from somebody. Hey, everyone. I live in the three flat directly in front of the Chicago rat hole. I came here to politely ask that you please stop congregating, partying and getting married in front of our house. My neighbors and I have been struggling. I don't know what kind of reaction this post is going to get. I'm probably um, going to get doxxed, but I just want you all to please consider the effects this has had on our neighborhood. Unhappy emoji. Um, I don't know how much of an inconvenience it's been for those people, but there's a lot of traffic along those lines, too. I'm surprised that it would be such a big deal. I mean, really? Are there food trucks out there now? I, I don't know that there are. It's kind of... Um, I, I take your point that it's sort of a fun, organic thing that Chicago is enjoying, but I don't like the message to the world. This story is getting national attention that Chicago has a famous rat hole. I would rather they talk about the bean or you know, our architecture, Eric. I don't want to promote that we're the rat capital of the USA. Well, I don't think we are, first of all. And, and second of all, I, I do would stress again that this is the kind of thing that pops up and then goes away. Yeah. That people will, people will walk by this in a couple of weeks and go, oh, yeah, that's, that's, that's the rat hole that everyone talked about for a couple of days when we were kind of bored in, uh, at, at yeah, the end of the football yeah, season. Yeah. I mean, I, mean I, I just don't think it's going to be – it's not going to keep drawing crowds forever. So, but but I, if if the alderman over there does decide to replace the uh, replace the pavement, which I, I hear he's thinking about doing, then it will all go away, and um, uh, you know, and it'll just be a story that we'll tell, like we talk about Miggs Field getting torn up in the middle of the night, and just sort that of was a good local one. local legend, local legends, you know, like old timers like you and me can sit around and tell these old stories. So, you know, really, and if it, this is on, on a scale, that was insane. At midnight, Mayor Daly sends a bunch of 
bulldozers out and does a tic-tac-toe on the runways at Meigs Field because he doesn't want that to be a private uh, aviation port anymore. And he wants to put Maggie Daly Park there or whatever. And so he vandalized that place in the cover of darkness. That's insane that that happened. Yeah, it really is. It was it was autocratic, right? It was like he just decided yeah. to do it. And, yeah. and uh, if it weren't for some security cameras from distant buildings that caught it, we might not have known until the next morning. Yeah. Uh, it was really it was really him just sort of giving his middle finger to the city council to process, to democracy, to governance. It was pretty outrageous. I, I, and I, I wrote about it at the time. I was pretty appalled. There were people who were admired Daly's this is not we I mean we, we and we might even like the idea I mean I, I, I like the idea of Northerly Island it's a nice place nice place to walk around it's beautiful and and yeah. it was a little weird that we had a private airport I mean it was basically private aviation there was a couple of commercial flights out of there and it was kind of weird that this prime real estate on the lakefront was taken over for you know people who own planes. Um, I, I like the idea, but I really hated the way he did it. I, I held it against. I've, I've still hold it against. I still. I'm still mad about it, John. Still, <laughs> well, uh, by the way, we, I need to take a break. There's a couple of other things I wanted to talk to you about, but I'm disappointed that in the rush to name the rat hole in the pavement, and there's a bunch of names that have been bandied about. I still like mine the best. Splat Hughes. Splat Hughes. As in Pat Hughes, the, fa- the oh, broadcaster. Oh, I get it. I, I, what about you? Didn't like Splatatouille? Um, that's fine, but to me, that's not Chicago centric, and Pat no. Hughes is. So, oh, that's but true. That's true. If that's I have true. to explain it, then it's not that good. By the way, just before Eric came on, we were talking about the use of smartphones and tablets to entertain kids and what the ramifications of that are. I was suggesting that we don't know. It's very effective. It's a little discouraging, but. What's going to be the upshot of all of that? 708 said, makes me crazy to see kids on tablets at restaurants. How about talking to your kids? <laughs> um, yeah, that's not what we go to restaurants for. 708 said, same with grocery stores, John. Child sits in the cart with mom's phone. 847, hey, John Williams, what planet are you on? Kids don't shovel snow anymore or even cut grass. Today's parents have raised a bunch of powder puffs. 312, John, my son is 19, and I had him watch videos on those portable DVD players. He's doing extremely well in his first year of college, and he's a talkative social person. John, when we went out to a restaurant, most of the restaurants gave coloring books to kids, and we brought coloring books. So it's just a different generation. And one more, the city does not shovel the sidewalk along Highland Avenue from the Blue Line to the hospital on Talcott and Okido, and there's a nursing home in there. They can't walk because the sidewalks are filled with snow. Maybe we should plow sidewalks in some areas. Well, that's what I was thinking, Eric. Let's designate the most important parts and then see how that pilot program goes. We're talking to Eric Zorn. He is the publisher of the Picayune Sentinel, which picks on a bunch of topics like these. You can sign up for his weekly newsletter. Just email ericzorn at gmail.com. We visited with a um, person in charge of, what was the exact title? Uh, Hold on, I've got all these papers here. But Director of Climate, uh, yeah, thank you, Pete. 
We visited earlier, Eric, with Lindy Wardlaw, who is the City of Chicago Director of Climate and Environmental Justice Initiatives. And she was telling us about the plan that new constructions will not be will not have natural gas. You know, all the new buildings will have to be electric. Now, what's your understanding on that and what's your take on that? My understanding is that other cities have been leading the way on this, that like New York, Los Angeles, and other smaller cities have been doing this, and that you know, I'm not an environmental scientist, but I understand that it is a way to reduce carbon emissions. It's environmentally uh, better than natural gas. Mm-hmm. And it does seem to me that if you if you limit it to new construction, it, I think the, the fear some people have is they're going to come into your home and rip out your gas stove and make you, you know, redo your house and so on, no. which is not the case. No. No. Uh, it's for new construction. Uh, you know, we we have natural gas here in, in, uh, in the uh, Independence Park area. And uh, I, I like it fine for cooking. I like how quickly the flame comes on. The, the heat is is fine. I, I, I wouldn't have any problem really switching. I don't really like electric stoves, but I'm not going to go to the mat over this. I'm not going to fall into a, a, a ball on the floor crying about if I if I had to move into a place that didn't have a have a gas stove. I, I think that we just need to realize there are going to have to be sacrifices that people make uh, in order to, to move the needle environmentally. And this doesn't seem like a big ask of people. It doesn't seem like it's this horrible thing you're asking people to do. Uh, we, we've managed to adjust, for instance, to the you know, low flush toilets that people were all upset about that. And, and also the end, basically the end of uh, of carbon of, of filament light bulbs, you know, that now we have the energy efficient light bulbs and we're surviving. And it's these are little things we that we have to do. And I, I don't know. It seems like a good idea to me. What about you? You like it? I like I like what it's going to do. But of all of those things, light bulbs, uh, electric cars and hybrid cars. Uh, what was the other one you mentioned that we got used to? Uh, low volume flush low, toilets. Low, low, low flush this toilets, one bothers yeah. me the most. This one's the most invasive. Uh, you know, this it touches your life in every possible way. Your your heating, your stove, your laundry. Um, so this is the biggest ask. Let me put it that way. Uh, but I like the objective. But you're right. This boy. <laughs> if if um, I mean, like you could say, well, I want to be green, but you're not going to go out and buy an electric car. But maybe you're going to try and drive a fuel efficient automobile, but you still got an automobile. I don't know. This just seems to me to be a bigger lift for most people. Really? Is, is, is it just the, is it the gas cooking? Because, the you know, a, a dryer works as well and a, a furnace can heat the house just as well. as a well, Wait, but furnace. what kind of furnace do you have if it's electric? You, do you have an electric coil there and you still have forced air? Is that how it works? Uh, I'm not an HVAC guy, John. I don't know. But uh, I, I know people who have that don't complain to me bitterly about it. The, the complaint that I hear most often has to do with, with the range, you know, the stove. Yeah. That, that, uh, yeah. And I, and I don't. Sure. I don't like those electric burners, but I, I guess. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's. I, I prefer gas cooking on the on the stove, and maybe you could get a little propane stove or something. I don't know if, <laughs> if you really are well, desperate for it. But I'll use my grill. Uh, my parents have a relatively new electric stove top, and it's it. Um, it heats up very quickly, quicker than maybe the ones that you and I are used to back in the day. So I think your point about the light bulbs, people lost their minds. This was communism. This was socialism with those light bulbs. You don't even think twice about it now. So maybe we'd get used to it, Eric. Maybe um, I should take that under advisement. 
I think we, I think we will. I think uh, I, 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 it, it might come a time within the next 20, 30 years that we'll look back and go, my God, we were burning all that natural gas and it was crumbing up the environment and we're so much more evolved now. So I don't have a smokestack in front of my house. I guess I do, but I don't see billowing black smoke. If I did, I might, uh, you know, be more appreciative of what I'm actually doing to the environment. But um, right now I'm thinking, wow, how very Chicago of us to do something like this and oh, but, but, it's, but it's not chicago it's the thing it's like I, it's just happening all over the country new york it's city not like, the, not like the foie gras band which was uh, <laughs> a unique in chicago so that, so. <laughs> that's another very chicago thing eric zorn is a very chicago thing missing rascals podcast let's record another edition of our pod and we'll talk about these and other topics tomorrow all right eric i'll look forward to it john thanks a lot Want to get his um, Picayune Sentinel? Just email ericzorn at gmail.com.